Good morning and welcome to Faith FM. You're listening right across Australia in 87.6, 87.8 or 88 or on the internet or wherever you are. I don't know, but you are joined here in the morning by Lawson and Lawson and just Lawson because Lyle's not here, Mon's not here, it's just me, we're hanging out, you know, just just me and you guys out there. Of course, I've just realised that you wouldn't be listening on the internet, or 87.6, or 87.8, because this is the intro for the delayed broadcast. Of course, we are absolutely stoked that you're listening to Faith FM. Unfortunately, you're a little bit delayed, so there's a couple things you can do about that. You can get on your phone. Go to an internet browser, look up faithfm.com.au, press the little play icon in the top right-hand corner, I believe, and bam, you've got internet all over Australia. You can listen to that through your car or at stereo, in your headphones, Bluetooth speaker, straight out of the phone speaker, whatever it may be. Of course, you can also get the TuneIn app and you can pull the little click the X in the top of the, uh, in the, top of the corner, you know, of the screen and Bam, you've got internet wherever you are, but we are having an absolutely amazing time here. We've got an amazing show coming up. It's me and Lyle. We've got interviews with mine. We've, hey, look who decided to join us. <laughs> it's Mr. Lyle Southwell himself. Lyle, how are you? Yeah, doing great. Awesome. What's this, what's this usurping my position here today? Possibly. Very, very, very possibly. But it's okay because I've already told them how they can listen to Faith FM on anywhere they are. You know, the live show. The live show, you know, they can. So what have we got left to talk about? Oh, we're just going to talk about what we're talking about in our show. Okay, so and what I are we s- talking about? Oh, okay. Did we yeah. talk about Mon yet? Yeah, we talked about Mon. <sighs> talked about how we've got an amazing interview with her and her, 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 um, her value as a person is just absolutely skyrocketing. Yes. Pity if she wasn't staying longer in, in Kenya, she could see if she could get the uh, price on her head a little bit higher than what it already is. <laughs> Incredible. Also, we're going to be doing an amazing Bible study in the book of Revelation. Mon also has an amazing interview with the leader of Kenya Health. And uh, yeah, Lyle, what, what are we got talking about in the news? Uh, we are talking about Korea. Oh, yes, Korea. And how marriage um, has plummeted in Korea, which means the birth rate has plummeted. Mm. And if it continues down this path, yeah, they're going to halve their population in the next 60 years. There'll be mm. a lot of empty homes in Korea. Yep, so we should start buying up now. Absolutely. Get in there, get into Korea. It's a really nice place, you know, in the south part anyway. But yeah, we're so thankful you're joining us here on this show. Um, and yeah, again, you can jump across to the live show, but just keep listening. Amazing stuff coming up right after this.
Welcome back, everybody. As we do, whenever we can, we are crossing over to Mon in Africa to give us the latest update from Kenya. And Mon, I understand you're in Amboseli now, is that right? That's correct. I am in the shadow of Mount Kilimanjaro, the tallest mountain in Africa. I'm so excited. The mountain is just looming in the background. I didn't realize it was actually the world's tallest freestanding mountain, I guess, because like, you know, Everest is a mountain range. Um, but this is, it's incredible because like, you know, you look at any window, basically, you can see this enormous mountain, but it's just so I don't know. It's almost like a, a kid's painting because it's really typical. It just goes up and then comes down the other side. It's, it's really cute, actually. It's just such a such a stereotypical mountain kind of a thing. I've, I've never heard Kilimanjaro referred to as cute before, but yeah, no worries. We'll go with that. <laughs> yeah, I suppose it's not really something that brings up cuteness to mind, um, but it is great. And it's actually kind of weird because it's quite hot down here in the plains because um, it's it, Kilimanjaro is set in a national park reserve, as you can imagine, um, which we did a safari through today. Uh, and it's actually a lot of, um, like, you know, salt plains and those, those sort of like cracked, dry ground areas. Um, sort of marshy areas where it's nice and green and there's lots of hippos. And uh, today we actually saw an elephant um, oh. cooling itself off in the water. And I've never seen this in my life before. But the, elef- the elephants are walking through the marsh, like, cause it's kind of like a swamp. Um, but with less trees, you can see really clearly. And uh, and they're walking through, and they're up to about. Well, you, you can't see the legs, and you can see half their body and their heads and their trunks sticking out the top. That's how deep it is. And then we saw this one elephant who was like, "Do you know what? I'm going in," and just nose dived into the water and just had his little bum or his big bum sticking out the top of the water. And then occasionally his trunk would come up like a snorkel for air. And he stayed down there for so long. He was down there for so long. We actually ended up driving off because we were like, "We just can't sit here any longer. This <laughs> is taking forever." <laughs> um, so yeah, he was having a grand old time to swamp. But so it is quite hot, you know, these salt, salt plains, cracked dry land, um, not nearly as pretty as the Serengeti in terms of just scenery, uh, but like I said, hot, which is unusual because when you look at Kilimanjaro, it has snow top 
has a cap with snow. It's really picturesque and, and just quintessential. Um, but I, I would love to have had the time to actually go up there and climb the thing um, just to see the, the, the difference in temperature. Yeah, that would be truly amazing, Mon. Now, um, what are you actually doing there in Amboseli apart from uh, obviously watching elephants? <laughs> actually, there's a bunch of ele- um, elephants and, and other animals that we've been checking out. Uh, we are actually coming to the end of our trip and we are flying out tomorrow morning. I will be sending through some um, some interviews still that I've done and some more monologues because there's still a lot to say about Kenya. So just because Kenya is coming to an end, um, doesn't mean that I, I've finished telling you my stories about it. So you will be hearing more about it in the next week or two. Um, however, the African adventure hasn't stopped and neither has the mission trip. It's actually getting even more exciting now because um, the second chapter is about to start uh, where you join me in Africa, Lyle, which I'm just so Yeah, that's not so about. far away so, now. Not so far away. Yeah, Ethiopia is around the corner. Um, but I want to prepare you, Lyle. So I've got some things to tell you about Africa. Mm-hmm. You ready? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you know how in church we adventists like to say, God is good, and mm-hmm. you say... All the time. And I say, all the time. God is good. Okay, so in Africa, they do this. I say, happy Sabbath. Everyone replies with, happy day. And then I say, happy day, and they say, happy Sabbath. So let's try it. Happy Sabbath, Lyle. Happy day. Happy day, Lyle. Happy Sabbath. Isn't that so cute? Also, any time you, you visit a church here, um, they say, you know, are there any visitors? And they make you stand up. But they don't just look at you. They then hand you the microphone and you have to introduce yourself. And so what people do is they say um, where they're from and they send their greetings. And they don't just say, like for me, I, would, I wouldn't just say greetings from Maitland Church in Newcastle. I'd have to add on greetings from Maitland Church in Newcastle have you received them? So you actually ask the entire church a question and the church responds by giving a single clap as soon as you've asked the question. So it'd be like this. Greetings from Maitland Church in Newcastle. Have you received them? And that would be their response, which is their way of capturing the greeting from the air and putting it in their pocket. (laughs) (laughs) You've got to love different cultures, don't you? Absolutely. Oh, by the way, speaking of different cultures, Lyle, I wanted—I did some math and I did some research and I wanted to update you about how expensive it is to have me as a wife in Kenya. Oh, oh <laughs> so no, we, we did some maths on this as well. We did some maths on this. Oh, we had a on. question to ask you. We had a question to ask you. So, uh-huh, be, because uh-huh. we, here's, here's the question. If, if, um, if someone was going to propose marriage to you, which would you prefer? A twenty-four thousand dollar diamond engagement ring, or twelve, or twelve Frisian cows. A hundred percent the diamond ring, because I now know how much cows are worth. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because we calculated okay. the value of cows here in Australia, and uh-huh. twelve really? Frisian cows could cost you twenty-four thousand dollars. Are you serious? I am dead serious. Man, Kenya is cheap. So, 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 um, well, so we were thinking about it, you know. Just let me sell you on this for a moment. Just let me sell you on this. Because, go on, go because, on. I mean, a diamond ring, it sits on your finger and it, you know, it's like seriously, it just sits there and does nothing. Yeah. But cows, they sit in your backyard, they come and they moo and they have nice faces and they look over the fence and they eat your apples out of their hand and they drool and you can call them names and they just make the most wonderful pets. I think you should go with the cows. <laughs> Well, I don't have any property to stick some cows on, but I do have a finger or 12. Well, sorry, 10. I just, I just miscounted my own fingers. Oh, it's late over here. 
That's fantastic. Okay, so how much? How much? How much? You? How much you worth in Kenya? A cow. Okay, so one cow is about um, two thousand Kenyan shilling, which is equate to about two hundred US dollars. <clears throat> so when someone offered me um, twelve cows, they were and that to Australian, so cow to Australian is three thousand five hundred Aussie bucks, which is not much, three and a half grand. But then I found out that you're supposed to negotiate and find out how many cows are actually bulls, because if you want a bull, that's about seven hundred. Um, uh, dollars. So actually, if I'd gotten 12 bulls, I could have been as much as $12,000. So anything between three and a half grand to 12,000. But Lyle, I have something to tell you. This is a bit racy. So hold on to your horses. Um, today we went past a resort that had a swimming pool and it was very hot and, uh, and there was nobody there. And so I threw myself in the pool. We didn't have bathers. We went for a swim anyway. And afterwards, <laughs> Some of the men were quite impressed and uh, my price went up because one of the men at the resort offered me 50 cows plus 10 acres of land. No way. 50 no cows way. plus mine, 10 mine, acres I, of I, land. I've, I've just got to do some quick calculations on that for the, um, you know. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think the thing that impressed them is that Kenyan women don't swim much. Kenyans don't swim much at all because most of their country um, is borders onto other land. There's only a very part of Kenya that borders the ocean so most of them don't know how to swim have never swum before sort of see bodies of water more as places to clean stuff um so I think I must have impressed them with my swimming prowess <laughs> because, yeah, my price increased dramatically so I'm sorry to say to the uh, chief's son of the Maasai people I don't think he can afford me anymore yeah, well, I think that um, <laughs> I think that uh, Kenyan women who are listening in can take a leaf out of your book. Here is the here is the key to your success: learn how to swim. Yeah. <laughs> so I just did some quick some quick calculations there. And in Australia, if these were um, really really good quality Frisian cows, um, just the cows uh-huh. alone are going to cost you a hundred thousand dollars. And then, of course, the land will probably cost you I don't know ten acres. Depends where it is. Um, but yeah, at least another hundred thousand. So yeah, you, your value is quite significant now. Not anywhere between uh, two hundred to say five hundred thousand dollars. I'm going to aim for a million before I leave Kenya. Have <laughs> Let's see what I can do to get my price up. <laughs> anyway, see how much? Ha, see what price Mon can get on her head before she leaves. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like I'm being shot. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, Mon, it's been great having you on the show this morning. Um, we are running out of time, but uh, stay safe while you are over there. If you're now worth, if you're now worth a couple of hundred thousand dollars, we're hoping that um, that doesn't mean that somebody decides to um, take matters into their own hands, so to speak. But um, it sounds like you're having a wonderful <laughs> yes, time. Yes, indeed. And uh, we look forward to speaking to you again soon. Now you're leaving tomorrow, is that right? Yes, I will be in South Africa by tomorrow night. Um, uh, I will rog again with you t- uh, tomorrow night because I still have some more things to warn you about when you get to Africa, things you need to be aware of, um, how to navigate the church scene because there is a pitfall there that you need to be aware of, this, particularly you, Lyle. This is very specifically for you um, and then anyone else who's visiting Africa. Yeah, yeah, something that, something that doesn't affect me at all because I'm fantastic at it, but you, on the other hand, will definitely need some coaching in this department. So, yeah. I will be talking to you tomorrow night, but I will be in South Africa. 
Mon, great to have you on the show. God bless. Stay safe for your trip, and we will talk to you again from South Africa.
Welcome back. That was Keith and Kristen Getty with O Children Come um, here on Faith FM. Lawson. Yes. Time for the first clue for the quiz. What have yes. you got for us today? All right. You ready? Mm, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. You good to go? Mm-hmm. We're good to go. This is a Who Am I quiz. Good to go. So, Who Am I quiz? All right. You ready? I am. Okay. Waiting. Yeah. Still ready. waiting. Ready to go? Still waiting. Okay. The first clue is Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 3 and Malachi chapter 3 and verse 1 prophesy of me. Oh. Nah, don't have it. Gears turning. Yep. Nah, can't. Don't get have it. it. <laughs> don't have it. Ooh. <laughs> nah. No, don't have it. Okay. What's right. going on around Moving. the world right now? Moving along. Mm-hmm. Okay, so double, pro- double prizes of Yeah, double well, prizes up for grabs. 1-800-324-843. You'll get two prizes. Or text us on 0491064669. Okay, so what's happening around the world right now? Uh, let's talk about violence in schools. Oh, right. They're all right. So this is something that uh, is quite serious. One in three yeah. principals, school principals, have been attacked. 45% of school principals have been threatened. And, of course, this is from both parents and students. Wow. Um, so a very, very different world in which we live today. There was once upon a time, you know, sometimes when you get one of those forms that you've got to fill out for the government or whatever, and it's got to be witnessed by someone, it has to be witnessed by somebody who's like super important mm. and therefore super trustworthy, mm. because if you're an important job, that means that you can be trusted, right? Mm. Yes, maybe not, but anyway, yep, that's, the, yep, that's yep. the way it is. But, you know, you, you might might be a ju- you might have a whole list of options, you know, JP, a police officer, a, you know, a medical doctor, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, back in the day, when they used to put those lists out, any school teacher could sign something like this because they were seen as being, you know, that high in society. They were that was seen as being a very high position in mm. society. Now, a school teacher has been degraded to be a very low position in society. School teachers look down on; they're despised. And you know, these are these are people who work, you know, as hard or harder and longer hours than the average person. Mm. Um, these are people who generally have, you know, the best interests of students at heart all the time. They are fallible human beings who make mistake like, mistakes like the rest of us. But when we undermine the teachers in our schools, basically what we are teaching our children is that there's no such thing as authority. They don't need to worry about authority. There's no such thing as the law. They don't need to worry about the law. When mm. I was in school... You know, I I was back in the day when, you know, this is back in the day. Back in the back day. Back in the day when I was a boy. When you used to walk 50 k's to school and carry the horse across the river and eat one sultana for lunch. <laughs> back in those days when they used to send me down the mine. Back in the... No, I'm just this is This is what my dad always sent us. <laughs> back in my day. I'm like, bruh. Back in my day when men were real men. <laughs> Um, no, back in the day when we used to get the cane, you know, the principle yeah. was that, uh, well, the, the concept was if you got it at school, you'd get it again when you got home. Yeah. So, do yeah. not get it at school yeah. <laughs> because my parents respected the teachers and if the teachers made that decision, then obviously deserved it. And then yeah. if I deserved for getting it for getting it at school and I deserved it again at home, which was generally true, I might add. In fact, I think it was true 100% of the time. It, it, dude, it was the same for my dad. He'd just put his hands in his pockets. 
and just like walk around with his hands in his pockets because they'd have like bruises on them or whatever from the cane and he just just put his hands in his pockets and hey hey guys and just like go straight to you know his his room and just sit there and <laughs> but then his parents would usually clue on like what are you doing and then <laughs> and then yeah and then he would get smacked <laughs> you know it uh, when I see stats like that and of course you know this has uh, resulted in you know mental health issues going up exponentially. And mm. they've just got one report here of one example of um, Annie Myers who has been punched. She, she's, a, she's a school principal. She's been punched. She's been kicked. She's been spat on. She's been pushed. You mm. know, th- this is this is, this is is terrible. And you can it, it's no surprise that mental health issues are just going through the roof amongst mm. teachers. And the actual time span that teachers spend in the job is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. Mm. You know, you spend four years getting a, getting a degree, you last six years in the job. It's um, it's not so great when you yeah, think about it. It's a rough it. gig. It is a rough gig. And we need to be giving our teachers support rather than undermining our teachers. Yeah, fully. Um, but it does remind me of a passage. You know, when I hear about this, I'm thinking, really, seriously? You've got to be joking, but the Bible says in Second Timothy chapter three that in the last days perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. We could add teachers, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And and this is what we have. There is no mm. respect these days. Mm. And to be honest, back in the days when the cane was a thing. We respected our yeah. teachers. We seri- we had serious respect for our teachers. Mm. And, you know, it was not something that was overused in uh, in, in the school that I was in. Um, you know, the, the, the students would always be like, oh, yeah, I didn't deserve it. And they'd always have these big, you know, it wasn't me and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, well, you know, guess what? Too bad. Um, you got it and you probably did deserve it and if you didn't deserve it this time then you got it for next time I remember my dad telling me like by the time he got to about year I think it was when he was in year 11 he would like he he became immune to the cane like you know you get to that age where it just doesn't hurt anymore Uh like it hurts but it's like you're okay with it and yeah (laughs) and then he he promptly left school after that because they were like not super keen on having him around. But yeah, I had, so. a, I had a school. I had a school. Te- we were one, we were one of those classes, and I had a school teacher who used to walk around um, our classroom. He had a cricket bat in one hand and a piece of three eight dowel in the other. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder whether he's listening this morning. <laughs> oh dear, Man. if you're listening this morning, then you should give us a call. We can we can reminisce here on the radio, <clears throat> but I won't mention any names yet. Good. Just in case. Good. <laughs> anyway, have you heard about the resurrection challenge? We had the ice bucket challenge. We now have the resurrection challenge. Oh, I hate challenges. <laughs> like, I just hate them. Like, I'm so... You know why I hate them? Because they're not even a challenge. Anyone can do these challenges. Well, the, if it the was a challenge. Yeah, that's true. The resurrection challenge is a bit easier than the ice bucket challenge. Uh, but I should make mention of the Resurrection Challenge because this one actually comes out of Africa uh-huh. where um, there's a video that's gone viral of an African pastor who um, has, you know, doing a funeral. There's a guy in the coffin. He lifts the lid. The guy's laying there and uh, he raises, commands him to be come from the dead and he comes from the dead and sits up and Bruh. starts um, breathing and so forth. And uh, so now there's, you know, it's, it's kind of gone kind of viral with this hashtag, you know, Resurrection Challenge and people are doing, you know, resurrections all across the world. Um, so you basically lay down, pretend like you're dead, and uh, yeah, 
See, that's, it's, a, it's a little bit blasphemous in some just, ways. It's just, it's just stupid. It's just silly. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm like, dude, challenges, you know, it, man. <laughs> but at the same time, the question is this: is was that it was it a real resurrection or not? Yeah, that is a big question. Is that possible? Well, yeah. Well, I think you know. Yeah, I think it is. I've I've heard Absolutely stories. Possible. I I have heard stories, and I know people who have who have gone through that. Who have, yeah. And so it's so this is no. this is something that is possible. The question uh, it does raise some massive questions in my mind because there are a huge amount of hoaxes going around in the world, mm. and when something goes viral on the internet, it's sort of like. Eh. Um, and the other thing that I look at is, you know, the Bible was written over a period of 1,400 years. Mm. And in that entire 1,400-year period, there were eight resurrections. Mm. This is not something that God obviously does on a regular basis. Yeah. And, you know, what that's one every 200 years. Um, and, and, of course, there's some pastors who are like, yeah, yeah, it happens all the time. And I'm like, that's not really a biblical model. But anyway, something interesting to note that is taking place in our world. Another thing that is interesting to note that is in Korea, the fertility rate has plummeted and has now got down to 0.98 per couple, which means that their population of 51 million people is set to halve in the next 60 years and drop to 25 million. That's going to mean a lot of empty houses and apartments Let's in move to South, South Korea. Korea. Yeah. Lots of space coming up. Um, yeah, of course, of course the fertility rate of 2.1 is what is required. 2.1 per couple is required for uh, a population to remain stable. Mm-hmm. And so this is less than half that. Back in 1970, of course, it was 4.53. So that's a, a, a big difference. <laughs> The uh, average across the OECD is 1.68. Yeah. And so um, there were just uh, 326,900 births last year out of 51 million people, mm. um, which has dropped by 31,000 from the year before. And this is all to the declining rate of marriage. This is Alan Jackson when the role is called up. trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more and the morning breaks eternal bright and fair when the saviors shall gather over on the other shore and the roll is called up yonder I'll be there when the roll is called up yonder I'll be there when the roll is called up yonder I'll be there when the Called up yonder. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. On that bright and cloudless morning, when the dead in Christ shall rise and the glory of his resurrection share. When his chosen ones shall gather to their home beyond the skies, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there.
to Faith FM. You're here again with Mon in Kenya in the Nakuru district. We have another interview. It's a really special interview for you today that I've lined up. And if you're wondering why there's a bit of echo, the echo is part of the specialness. So today I actually have our team leader, our fearless team leader, Ivan, who is not the founder, but definitely at the helm of Kenya Health, which is the organization that I'm here in Kenya with. Uh, he's going to be telling us a little bit about Kenya Health and why there's an echo in this room. Welcome to the show, Ivan. Thank you very much. It's good to be here and it's good to, uh, to, to speak to you all. We're in a new building that um, has been a dream for about three or four years. Um, we have our own clinic uh, which has taken a lot of work, a lot of fundraising, and a lot of effort, but really worth it. Yeah, so just to explain, you've been running um, Kenya Health for how many years? How many years have you been coming to Kenya now for? I've been coming now for six years. Six years. And in those six years, you've been um, doing like a roving clinic, a pop-up clinic, so to speak. So it goes out in different locations and every day you have to, you know, set up, you have to find a place first of all and you have to set up and set down. But right now we are sitting in what will be the permanent Kenya Health Clinic, right? Yes, we call ourselves a mobile clinic so we have gone out to to outlying areas and also into the slums and we have a van that we we load up and we arrive at a at an organized destination and we set up and we will work there for the day then we'll head back into Nakuru for the night but what we have here is is our own facility where we can store all our medications, and also some accommodation for our our volunteers when they come. Because at the moment it's a bit um, spread out. You've got like an office here, accommodation there, stuff happening here, a van parked over there. But this will be great because it's one consolidated location. And it is still in the process of being built. Um, the, we are today having the... Is it the first ever clinic? First ever clinic being run out of this building. So downstairs right now is a buzz with activity because we've snuck away for a quick interview um, while everyone is downstairs setting up. And upstairs... Explain explain. What What's happening upstairs? Okay, upstairs we have a lounge room and a kitchen where we can be self-sufficient, we can provide our own meals, and then we have five rooms, they all have an ensuite, um, and that's for the volunteers when they when they come to have their own space and, and the communal area for us to, you know, to get together after each clinic. That's really nice. Now, this is, um, what is this, like, how many acres is this? Two acres. So explain a little bit, like, what's going on outside, and maybe even the downstairs as well, and then tell us also what the dream is for the rest of this property. Okay, with the property, we already have a, a guard house where we have someone live on the property full-time to maintain it and to look after it. There is an acre that we would like to put in maize, and that is the staple diet here. And then the rest of the property we would like to put in all fruit trees, mangoes, bananas. They all grow 
well here and we'd like to be a little bit self-sufficient. And the other question Monica asked is, where are we? We are up on a hill and we're actually over overlooking Nakuru and the lake. So it is really a great view. Yeah, I have to say, the, the, the view is just phenomenal. So out the front of the building, um, upstairs in particular, uh, out the windows, you can just see for, oh, you can see for days and you can see the city on one side and the Lake Nakuru on the other side. So it's a really beautiful, peaceful, uh, location. I'm actually a little bit jealous <laughs> that this wasn't finished before my trip so that I could have stayed here as well. But I have to have a bit of a laugh, Ivan, because, um, it just it just exemplifies uh, the sacrifice that you and your wife Judy have made um, in order to make Kenya Health a success. Because the fact that you're going to grow maize, which I know is the key ingredient for one of their staple dishes called yugali, which you guys don't even like, I would have thought you'd plant something that you would actually like to eat. <laughs> well, we're not going to be here all year round. We're only here for two to three months a year, so. You know, we want to look after after the locals, and really, the you know the whole aim of what we are doing is for the locals. So, tell us a little bit exactly about like um, you know about your yearly schedule because you do come here like one to two times a year, and to, I guess take us back to the start, like how you got involved um, and how you've continued to be involved and what your role is. Okay, so. Back in 2013, we arrived out here to go to an orphanage to uh, to help them and to have a look at at what was happening, and we thought that was God's calling uh, for us to, uh, you know, for work for us to do in our retirement because we had just retired. When we got out here. We met up with this group who, who were nurses from Willemba, which is only an hour from home, and they needed help. The guy who had, who had started it up, he, he had just died, and this was their last trip that they had organised. And we were asked to go out and help them, so we did that, and we just, we just fell in love with what they were, Doing in the community, and when we went home after that, the the wife and a few of the others who had been here before asked us if we would if we would come and meet them. And uh, Judy and I decided that this is really, you know, what God had asked us to do. So we said, you know, we're in, and for us, once we're in on something, it's everything or nothing. So, um, so from from there, we developed a board, and uh, we can we continued with their program of having a clinic every. 12 months but then over the last four years we've had one every February and every August and uh, this is our, no- our ninth 
trip here to Kenya. But other than that, I do a lot of the fundraising. Um, it's nearly a full-time job. Yeah, I can imagine it would be because, you know, not only do you fundraise for the trip, but you were telling me the other day, you know, at the end of every trip, you've often met people along the way, patients who require more intensive uh, surgeries, more than what we can provide at a day clinic. And uh, and then you go home and you continue fundraising uh, for these people. So I remember you were saying you had, you know, people with severe hernias. I mean, even just last week, we met a lady with a just a massive goiter on her neck. And I know that when we get home, you're going to be fundraising for that. Um, and, you know, we, I remember you showed me pictures of a, a gentleman who was walking on his hands and, uh, and you know, you got home and uh, fundraised for a wheelchair for this man. And, um, and it, it, just, it just never seems to stop for you. So the, the amount of self-sacrifice is very great. And um, we've actually met another man this trip who walks on his hands. And uh, I'll get our um, one of our team members, Diane, to tell us that story Um I think she'll be delighted to share it. But I do want to also just let our listeners know that I'll be, we'll be putting up some pictures and some details on our social media, so on Faith FM's uh, Facebook and on our Instagram, of some of the surgeries that we're going to be raising funds for for this trip and some of the ones that have been done previously successfully. So if you'd like to get involved or if you just want to see some pictures and get some more details about Kenya Health, you can head over there and check it out. Now... Ivan, this uh, this building we're in now, it's uh, is a result of God's blessing, and it's a result of um, your hard work and fundraising. Um, do most of your funds come from Australia, or do people in Kenya donate as well? No, all funds are from Australia. Yeah, but over here, and I. I think this must be another reason why your job is so full-time um, is because before you even fly over here, you have to have coordinated with the locals to have, you know, the location set up and all the all the clinics um, pre-prepared. So we have a, you have a team here on the ground, don't you? <clears throat> yes, we have, we have a nurse here who works with us all year round and we also work with the with the Central Rift Valley Conference and they are tremendous and they call us you know their medical arm and they do a lot of the coordinating for us they know where the need is the greatest and we're happy to to go where they ask us to go Lovely, yeah. I um I will be actually interviewing some of the local staff members from Kenya Health, um and our listeners will be hearing those interviews in the coming weeks. So we'll be interviewing the head nurse Rosemary. Um, we'll be interviewing Tom, who is is he the health director or something? Health director of the of the conference. Yeah, so he's yeah he's um lovely guy. We'll be interviewing some local Kenyans who are involved with Kenya Health. And now, of course, you always seem to come here with a a bunch of mzungus in in, in trails. So a bunch of uh, white people, as they're called, they call the mzungus here. And uh, I've been putting up some of our some of our footage on our social media, um, Ivan, and people have been saying that they're praying for us and they've always wanted to do something like this. So for for our listeners in Australia who are actually interested in maybe doing what I I'm doing right now and coming here with Kenya Health. Like, how can how can they do that? Like, do you have a, a capacity? Is there a limit of people you can take? Our maximum is about eight in each trip, 
because we have to fit you all in the van with the drugs and everything else that we have. Um, we are now looking for volunteers for February. We have August this year already organised, but we are we are looking for volunteers uh, for nurses and for non-medical volunteers uh, for all of the um, Feb February and August 2020, that will be... Yeah, yeah, just thinking, hang on, what year are we in? What year is next? <laughs> yeah, yeah, so next year we're still looking for volunteers. So if you are keen to, um, to be a volunteer uh, for Feb or August 2020, um, definitely jump on the website. What's the website again? www.kenyahealth.org .org, that's right. So it's not .au, it's .org. And uh, you can jump on there. And I think there's a volunteer tab that you can click on and, uh, and you can get more information there. But as someone who has now, well, not so much done it, but is doing it, I highly recommend coming on this trip and helping out. It is, it is heartbreaking, but it's also heartwarming at the same time. Um, you must have had so many experiences that have just brought you to tears. On, on I'm, not, I'm not even sure if I want to ask you because I'm pretty sure you're going to tell me stories that will make me cry. Should I ask you? <laughs> Maybe tell us a couple of highlights because you, you've been doing this for years now. Yeah, look, it, you know, we just believe it is, is, is the work for God and it is what, what God has asked us to do. And, you know, each story is is special and we've had a, a, so many experiences we talk about that we should write a book but um, maybe we will one day but you know one girl came to us um, it's probably three years ago now and she had a had a breast tumour and she was only 14 year old and it was all the way down to her waist and we were able to have that removed. It was benign. And, you know, she came back to us on our next trip with her mother and just thanked us. And that's what it is like here. They are very appreciative of anything that we do. Yeah, they absolutely are. <clears throat> they absolutely are. I've had um, several patients that have left, you know, with medications or with eyeglasses or sometimes even just with some soap that we've given away with tears of gratitude in their eyes. Um, and, yeah, it, it, must be, it must be hard sometimes, especially, I guess, when we have to turn people away because otherwise we could be here 24-7 <laughs> seeing the whole of Kenya. <laughs> um, but tell us a little bit, you know... When you when you organise these trips and you come over here, like give me maybe like a, a typical day in the life of Ivan on a Kenya health trip. Okay, so number one, we have to load the van, so we have to work out, you know, you know what medications we have and make sure we've got the medications for that day. Um, one of our um, one of the things we always have a laugh about with the volunteers. It's sometimes like herding cattle. You've got to get them to the van on time uh, because we have deadlines through the day and we like to get out on time. So, you know, to start with, you're always trying to get the volunteers together um, and have a prayer before we leave. And um, as, 
as we said earlier, the location is already you know, organised. It can be anything up to an hour, an hour and a half away from from our accommodation or from new, from the Kuru. We get to the site, and the site can can be anything from an open field uh, to a health clinic or a church or a school. And when we when we get there, we just have to be happy with what we have, get it organised, get it all set up, because quite often we can have 100 people there waiting for us when we arrive. Uh, we work mainly non-stop all day through till about four o'clock and, and then we just have to pack everything up and we head back to, to town and we usually go to a restaurant where we can have a meal and have a debrief uh, on the day and that is also important because of the you know the situation and the people that we do see now ivan has the heartbreaking job of being i guess the bouncer of the team and so uh, we'll get when we get to towards the um the end of the day ivan is the one who has to go out and start counting how many people we have left in the line and then doing the calculations to see how many people we can still fit in within time and then at some point he does have to draw the line and say no one after this person so I, I don't envy you at all with that job I see you do it every day and then you have to be vigilant because some of the other staff members will always try and sneak an extra couple of bodies in um, so I, yeah, I, feel, I feel bad for you but I'm grateful that you're doing it because if you didn't we would be stuck here all night uh, Ivan I just want to say thank you so much for, for joining me up here in the empty echoey room which will soon be full of furniture tell us before we go um, what you are trying to raise at the moment to because I know that you're trying to finish off this clinic okay we with the empty rooms and the kitchen and also the you know the clinic we need about eight to ten thousand Australian dollars to to get all the furniture for the volunteers and the equipment for the clinic and that's that's our next project Yep, so that's what we're up to at the moment. Uh, Kenya Health is doing an amazing job. They've come so far. They have a beautiful uh, two-story building here uh, in the Nakuru district. The building is completely empty, as you can probably hear from the echo in the room that we're in right now. We've just managed to get some plastic chairs so we can do the clinic today successfully. But other than that, um, we we do have a lot of bare but beautiful rooms, bare but beautiful rooms. And so if you would like to donate to help furnish, we need beds, kitchen equipment, tables, all the kind of essential stuff. If you would like to donate, head to www.kenyahealth.org and you will see there's a donate tab on the top of the page and you can nominate if you wish to have a tax deductible receipt emailed to you as well. Ivan, thank you very much for helping us out today and uh, I hope that everything will go well downstairs for us today. Thank you very much. Back to you guys in the studio, Lawson, Lyle, don't you guys have fun without me. Just another day that my Lord, my Lord has kept me. Yes, it is just another day that I've been in my safe.
fingers can Yes it is Wanna say he threw He threw his loving arms all around me Yes he did And there I Camping caravanning scene. Join Australia's largest annual national gathering of travellers and caravanners at the Stewart's Point Convention Centre this year, Stewart's Point, New South Wales. It's an amazing campground among the trees. Inspirational Christian speakers. With incredible music. And beautiful beaches. And a relaxing environment. Be part of the community and make friends for life. May 10 through 18. Stewart's Point Caravan and Convention Centre. Contact Debbie on 024994 or simply email graynomads at adventist.org.au. 